Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Psych Hero, where we discuss superhero psychology and art therapy. I'm your podcaster, Jacinta of Centillin Artworks, and today's episode encompasses transpersonal and archetypal psychology. The subject, Marvel versus DC Tarot, and for this podcast, I have three other therapists joining me for this discussion. Welcome. If you would all like to go around and introduce yourselves and just tell us about your psychology and maybe your fandom background. Hi, my name is Janice Martindale. I am currently a trauma therapist and trauma-informed therapist and art therapist. My fan base would include Star Wars, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, some DC and Marvel, like a mixture of both. My favorite DC, which is like kind of an unconventional, I think like DC comic book would be Sandman. And then with Marvel, probably Captain Marvel. Very cool. Thank you for joining us today. And I'm Chris. My background is in depth psychology and play therapy. And fandom, mm, my DC goes back really, really far, but not anything recent. Mostly what I've uh, read more recently is X-Men, Iron Man, Hulk are some of my favorites. Hey, Desena. So my name is Michael Fiorini. I'm a doctoral student in clinical psych at University of Denver. I also work as a therapist. Huge fan of DC, also a lot of anime and manga, but we're focusing on DC today. Thank you for joining me today. So we're going to create our own Marvel vs. DC tarot card deck with the initial 22 tarot card figures. Chris and I are doing Marvel, and Janice and Michael are here to do DC. In terms of psychology, meanings of symbols and images, they are different for each individual, and symbols can have similar or different meanings across cultures, so it's important to keep this in mind. But for the sake of this podcast, we're talking about traditional or more common meanings of tarot card symbols for this discussion. Before we begin, we'll just have a quick discussion on what is archetypal psychology and what is transpersonal psychology, and how does it tie to tarot card meanings. Archetypal psychology, the key players are James Hillman and Carl Jung, and the common archetypes are the lover, innocent, orphan, fool, caregiver, warrior, destroyer, creator, magician, explorer, ruler, and the sage. So what do we mean by archetypes? We mean that they are images, patterns, and symbols that rise out of the collective unconscious or cultural unconscious and appear in dreams, mythology, and fairy tales. It contains a set of shared images, memories, and ideas, which we all identify regardless of culture that we were born into or the time period in which we live. Transpersonal psychology is also referred to as spiritual psychology, and it basically is an outgrowth of humanistic psychology, and that's basically all you need to know about that. So how does archetypal psychology and transpersonal psychology relate to tarot? Well, tarot is all about archetypes, embodying archetypes in different forms of archetypes, some that are a bit more personal to us. So when we talk about comic book characters, there are going to be some characters that really fit the basic foundation of what an archetype was written. And there are some others that may abstractly fit in new or dynamic ways that we haven't thought of yet. So you'll hear some of those examples where the character just automatically fits into the standard definition of that archetype. And there may be some that are up for debate as we talk about it. And there's also many characters that could fit. We're just four people that are talking about certain characters that come to mind. There may be a completely different characters that you all think of that also fit these cards. And that's why it's transpersonal in nature. 
we all have our own personal connection to different superheroes, different characters, different stories, and the transpersonal nature of tarot is using tarot as a spiritual practice to gain different insight and different information for that person to integrate into their own lives, which is why we're having today's discussion. I hope you enjoy it. So let's dive into our tarot card readings. Who would like to pull the first card? Let me just read it Intro for us. First. Judgment, upright, uh, reflection, reckoning, awakening, rebirth, decision-making, transition, renewal, redemption, awakening, and reincarnation. Reversed, it would represent a lack of self-awareness, self-doubt, mm-hmm. conviction, repression, poor logic, poor or hasty judgment. And then just probably the meaning, the card is referred to as a time of resurrection and awakening, a time when a period of our life comes in, to an absolute end, making way for dynamic new beginnings. Mm-hmm. All right, so Chris, since you read the first card, who, do you want to share who you picked for judgment on the Marvel side? I picked Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely seemed to represent uh, a reckoning for sure. Um, and uh, kind of a, a dark rebirth kind of element to it. And the reversed seemed to fit in there as well. Conviction, uh, poor logic, <laughs> poor and hasty judgments seem to be reflected pretty well with Punisher. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he's one of the first things that comes to mind when you think judgment is he takes it into his own hands and a lot of people cast judgment on him on whether he's doing the right thing or not by causing all of this one of the scenes that i remember from civil war is actually when the punisher shows up to join captain america's side and captain america hates him and he's like you should not be here and the first thing punisher does is he shoots two guys he thinks are bad that are there and captain america's like get out (laughs) and he's just banned and you don't see him in civil war after that (laughs) yeah hasty judgment yeah okay so let's hear from the dc side what do you think about judgment i picked amanda waller for this specifically because the characteristics she definitely embodies kind of that reckoning rebirth transition renewal redemption piece Again, she's another character in the DC universe who's experienced like very severe trauma after losing her eldest son and daughter who were murdered. You know, perhaps this is to be expected since I am on the Marvel team today, but I forgot about her children being murdered until you said that. Because everything about Amanda Waller that I go to right away is about the Suicide Squad. Maybe it's because of the movie that that's most apparent on my mind, but like this, you know, very stoic, hard-paced, making the tough decisions woman is what definitely came to mind, you know, that ruler of Argus. So good pick. Yeah. Judgment for sure. I can see it. For judgment on my side, I thought about Cloak from Cloak and Dagger. Especially the, the since it's on season two right now on TV, there's a lot about him being able to use his cloak and instill the best judgment that he can. In the TV series, his brother is killed, and so he's kind of battling with himself on the justice of doing what is right for his brother on the corrupted policeman and also having to go through the world as a black man and having that fear and judgment casted upon him. So I thought he was an interesting character to represent 
You know, he has to have a self-awareness. He has to have reflection and decision-making um, in order to figure out where he needs to go. And the cloak was kind of a rebirth. It was a way that he was reincarnated into this new character and he had to awaken within himself in order to use it. So that was interesting for me. And I think the fact that Judgment also has the dagger part of his partner, it just seemed like when they're together, there's a whole new thing that comes into play. So that's what reminded me of Judgment. I'd say Judgment for me most closely fits Lex Luthor. And a big, big, big reason for that is because of any character in the DC canon, hero or villain, he seems to be the most driven by his personal view of what's right and wrong. And he lets that enable him to both hurt people and help people depending on the context, never really realizing what impact he's having on others or even the fact that he's a villain half the time. Mm. I mean, from his point of view, he's a hero. Superman's the villain. Or um, X, Y, or Z problem in the world that he can solve because he's a genius and a rich guy, that's the villain. He doesn't really think about what impact it's going to have on society to the point that like multiple times he's tried to establish dictatorships because he thinks he's great. Um, if you're looking at the card judgment, it's also some, it's like a figure who has a lot of influence over many different types of people. So immediately what I'm thinking is like magnate, rich person, celebrity, and he's all those things. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and he becomes a president at some point. In the new uh, Supergirl show, have you seen it? I have not. They finally brought in Lex Luthor, I think into season three. And he is more known as a manipulator, mm. like to the point where he gave himself cancer just so his sister would work faster on producing a cure to make humans invulnerable, to make them stronger. <laughs> and they give him such a, a stronger sense of evil, I think, in that show that's way different than others. Like, they first introduced him as someone who turned Earth as, into a red sun. So Superman could be defeated, but it ends up killing a lot of other people, and he's totally fine with that. So how much that's really highlighted in there, rather than being a person of influence, he's definitely a person that nobody likes. The name Lex Luthor is tainted. Even his sister has to work really hard to show that she's not a quote-unquote Luthor. Wow. So it's a very interesting dynamic of him being judgment, where this show decided to take him to a completely one-sided level. Yeah. So and he's also um his role as a villain has transitioned a lot over the years. He used to just be like this like, you know, clearly corporate bad guy, then he became, you know, this like huge narcissistic guy who like thought he was like protecting the world against Superman, then he was like a humanitarian, the president, a superhero for a little while. <laughs> I mean, they don't know right. what to do with the guy. Long resume. <laughs> resume building. Absolutely. <laughs> Janice, would you like to pick the next one? So this is the devil card. So upright represents addiction, materialism, playfulness, sexuality, temptation, unhealthy relationships, enslavement, feeling trapped, bonded, reverse, freedom, release, restoring control, detachment, self-destruction, selfishness, breaking from addictions, and divorce. <laughs> Meaning, it represents being seduced by the material world and physical pleasures, also living in fear, domination, and bondage, being caged by an overabundance of luxury. Discretion should be used in personal and business matters. So element is Earth, ruling planet is Saturn. Would you like to share who you'd pick mm -hmm. for the DC side of this card? I picked dark side villain in the superman and justice league series i don't know a whole lot about dark side but i picked him basically for the characteristics of the 
devil tarot card, especially representing like enslavement, feeling trapped, and addiction in the sense of like an addiction to power. From what my understanding is, like Dark Side is the equivalent of uh, Thanos in the Marvel universe for the most part. So they both are very addicted to power and searching out or seeking out power for their own personal gain. But at the same time, it's kind of like, again, this concept that they're making the world a better place, even though their methods are kind of not as ethical. <laughs> But his ultimate goal is definitely to eradicate free will of all living things and to reshape the universe to reflect his own image. And so I feel like that definitely, for sure, represents the devil card in itself. And again, too, I think that piece about, like, he was literally, like, worshipped by a cult as the god of evil. So evil, devil, I don't, it just, like, makes the most sense to me. Chris. How about you on the Marvel side? Oh, looking at the devil card. Oh, what came to me was uh, Venom, all about addiction and unhealthy relationship. Feeling trapped, enslavement, bondage, all those elements seem to be summed up pretty well. As well as the reverse side, self-destruction, and eventually trying to uh, divorce yourself and break away from the, the parasite <laughs> in the end. So kind of a full circle. Venom, that's a good one. I can see that. And then your devil pick? Yeah, I didn't want to just go with Batman the entire time, so <laughs> I, uh, I actually thought John Constantine would be a very cool example of the devil for a lot of reasons. He is obviously an addict. He's always smoking in almost every panel that he's ever appeared in. Um, got lung cancer as a result. Um, very materialist in a way. Highly playful and vehement against the demons that he's fighting. As far as a breaking from taboo, he was actually in a punk band, which a lot of comic fans might not realize. And um, this was in like the 70s and 80s of his versions of his character. So that was pretty interesting as far as the character evolution. A lot of um, anti-establishment kinds of characteristics. And a lot of people might not realize this about the devil card, but it's supposed to symbolize taboos being crossed as much as it is about bondage and addiction and these kinds of things. Hmm. Um, and he has never lived his life as a character as someone who follows the rules. So I'd say that's pretty pretty fitting for him. He also fights the devil. And if you've ever heard the term, you stare into a void long enough and the void stares back, he does have a lot of demonic qualities and has been a demon several times in his canon. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's one of the biggest things that he has a, a specific connection to that not anybody else has. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to go to hell, but <laughs> it's around him. <laughs> and he often has to make trips. <laughs> yeah. On the Marvel side, I thought about Mr. Sinister. And again, you know, this is me slipping back into X-Men really fast. Is <laughs> Mr. Sinister was the first one that came to my mind because he definitely seems like a character with an addiction, but it's a different kind of one. Like he's addicted to science and experimentation and mutations uh, to the point where he turned himself. His name was Essex mm -hmm. and he turned himself into Mr. Sinister. So the way that he works and how he's trying to control people and enslave people and manipulating people as well gets thinking that they have a sense of freedom or a sense of release and he's really trapping them. Oh yeah. Okay. Alright, so we have the Empress card. So the Empress stands for, when it's upright, uh, motherhood, fertility, nature, initiative, femininity, fruitfulness, pregnancy, nurturing, abundance, maternal care, a new opportunity, and stability. But if it's reversed, it often represents dependence, smothering, emptiness, 
noisiness, doubt, ignorance, financial issues, stagnation, domestic problems, and unwanted pregnancy. The <laughs> Empress meaning is traditionally associated with maternal influence, and it's a card if you are hoping to start a family. She can represent a creation of life, romance, art, or new business. Uh, the element of Earth in the ruling planet is Venus. The Empress is typically depicted sitting on a throne, wearing a starry crown, and holding a scepter. And the scepter is the representation of power over life. And her crown has 12 stars representing her dominance over the year. So for me, I don't know if she's the epitome of a maternal nature. However, I went with Princess Lalandra. Her name is Lalandra Niramani, I believe. I may have butchered that pronunciation. But she has an amazing crown. She has a scepter. And she's the ruler of a galaxy. She's flying around in a starship, essentially, mm -hmm. and she's able to come down and help the X-Men and then still be up there fighting. And so when they were talking about her crown representing dominance, that's kind of what I thought of, is she's definitely this character that is not someone that you mess with. And she kind of has dominance over not just a world, but a whole galaxy. However, we see her maternal or femininity coming out in her relationship with Xavier, how she takes care of him. And even when he dies, she takes him up to live with her. You know, she has a lot of people that she still takes care of, even as an empress. So that's mm -hmm. what I thought of. Poison Ivy. I think mm -hmm. she's a great fit for the empress. And I have a lot of reasons for this. First and foremost, the, ob the obvious symbolism. So if you look at the Empress, the original um, Rider Waite symbol, um, she's covered in fruits and berries, flowers, stars, trees, grains. So a lot of earth connection. Mm -hmm. Poison Ivy, out of any DC character, I think has the most connection to the earth. But also, she doesn't see herself necessarily as a villain a lot of the time. She sees herself as someone who's protecting fertility, protecting the environment, protecting femininity and what that represents in the environment as well. I think spot on for the Empress. Really different as well because if you're looking at the card, there's a almost necessary removal from the Empress. So she's on a throne. She might adorn like the symbols of the harvest, but she's actually separated from the nature around her. She's very different from other human beings. She's very different from actual plants and these kinds of things. So as much as she's trying to represent this like idealized form of nature and femininity, she's also completely removed from it and unique and isolated. And that's what makes her a villain in a way, um, unfortunately or not. Close as I could come up with is just thinking about the Empress Storm. And that's not, mm -hmm. not a great fit, but that kind of strong female presence. I think technically she was an Empress at one point. Right. Yeah, she also married. Oh, yeah, she married Black Panther. Uh -huh. But so really. she has been an empress a couple of times. So I can see that correlation. Uh -oh. and they do call her like the weather goddess or the weather witch. Yeah, a little a little more uh, literal and not quite as archetypal as I would mm. like. But you know. <laughs> yeah, the character that I chose was Death, which is a character from the Sandman, which is from DC Vertigo's series. The reason I chose this death character, in thinking of this, I was almost thinking of the shadow part that generate from the Empress and the face card value of what this tarot card represents. But I also do feel like this character does embody a lot of the pieces such as you know, motherhood, fertility, but not necessarily in the sense that you would think. Her character both ushers 
the recently deceased into new existence. So like helping them kind of transition, but also is present and visits people as they are born. So I definitely, I think I chose this just for the sheer irony of the character because she does hold both of these pieces representing like motherhood, fertility, nature, and fruitfulness, not necessarily in the sense that you would think, but she's helping people through transitions and almost like a new birth. So I think that she does fit these qualities, but not in the most conventional way, um, both mother to life and to death. Again, she is both the representation of creation as she ushers recently deceased individuals to a new beginning as she provides them kind of like that nurturance and provides them with new opportunity. And also she is like considered one of the only characters of the endless who may survive the end of that incarnation of the universe, which is also just kind of like in itself a regenerating type concept. And she's omnipotent and godlike. Alrighty, next card. Oh, another one that I thought was, well, on the other side, overly represented in uh, in the comic book genre. Death card, mm. upright. It's the end of a cycle. Mm. Beginnings, change, metamorphosis, transformation and transition. It's about endings, severe illness, profound changes, letting go of attachment, failure and mortality. Reversed is a fear of change, um, holding on, resisting living unaware, depression, long terminal illness, and resistance to change, delayed ending. Mm. A meaning it says is unlikely that this card represents a physical death. Typically it implies an end, possibly of a relationship or interest, and therefore implies an increased sense of self-awareness. But yeah, death is all over. <laughs> so I find it really difficult to nail it down to just one one character, or even one image mm. that really summed it up for me. It was so pervasive. Mm. Are there any that come to mind right off the bat? Uh, only, <laughs> only colored by recent movies. Thanos is the only thing that comes to mind mm. right now. But. Thanos, and we did have the the apocalypse. As horrible as that movie was, <laughs> didn't see it. Keeping it that way. It's awful. Okay. Janice, what about you from DC? Do you have a death representation? The superhero that I chose for the death card was Batman. I feel like most obviously Batman is generated from a traumatic past and is a perfect example of post-traumatic growth, but he still definitely struggles with a lot of the pieces that come along with trauma after experiencing a traumatic event, which, you know, Issues with depression, holding on, and resistance to change. I think definitely out of the trauma, Bruce Wayne is transformed and literally metamorphosizes, that's a word, into Batman. Bruce Wayne also kind of extradites a part of himself that dies that day, which informs this transformation into this Batman. And then he becomes emotionally detached in a lot of ways. And then here again, we definitely see this concept of internal polarization as similar to the Superman or Superman. For some reason, I think just like intuitively or naturally, I just, Batman was what came to mind for me. And I think it's because of the fact that one, the death card, I think people sometimes 
well, I know for me anyway, like was a tarot card that I wanted nothing to do with. Anytime that I would draw the death card or even, you know, would see it, it was like something that would definitely generate like some sort of like internal response, which I feel Batman really embodies a lot of these aspects of the death card in a lot of different ways. And thinking of the death card too, it's like in speaking to what I was speaking to just a minute ago, that it's a representation of transformation. Like something has to die in order for new growth to happen. I think Batman is a very interesting choice because in a lot of ways, Batman was kind of born Mm -hmm. out of death because it was a tragedy that Bruce Wayne faced Mm -hmm. and facing that fear and we see constant change and new beginnings with Batman and Bruce Wayne and very interesting take on on death yeah and that's a pretty clear choice for me specifically because initially I was surprised that we'd picked the same card but now it seems pretty obvious. I don't know that anyone else would fit it as well as, as Batman does. Well, de- death as a tarot card represents both rebirth and also ends of things that are either traumatic or cannot continue. And in this case, I would say his past, his life, his family was killed. Um, who he was, his innocence died, but he was also reborn. And he was reborn as something completely different. So it does symbolize the transition, I think, pretty well. At the same time, death is a scary card when you draw it on the tarot deck. So when you draw death, usually if someone's not acquainted with the tarot, they're freaked out by it. They're like, oh my gosh, like, what does this mean? I can't believe it. Like, and you usually have to tell them, oh no, it's going to be okay. This just means things are changing. But if you look at it from the perspective of a villain who might not fully understand Batman's perspective, he also represents the same kind of evil death because he's ending whatever it is they're trying to do. Mm. And so they have reason to fear that. Well, it's pretty interesting, too, because if you imagine, like, Batman on a tarot card, I wonder if that would lessen the fear for anybody who would get it. Because mm. there's, like, a familiarity around him now, yeah. given the movies and the universe that's been played out. I mean, I if, if you met Batman in the street, though, I mean, like, would you be... Would you find him approachable or what? <laughs> Batman is by design not supposed to be approachable on the street. Yeah, like... is very... That's his motif. Yeah. <laughs> If you really want to get into the death symbolism, I mean, even holding a sickle, um, kind of symbolizing like harvesting, he's kind of harvesting villains to then prove the point of his being alive now. So it's like an endless cycle of change and how do we navigate constantly throwing them into Arkham Asylum and then they're escaping and Batman gets to navigate all that. They even have a scarecrow. And mm-hmm. a poison ivy <laughs> crop kind of symbol. symbol so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I think for me on the Marvel side, and you could count this as cheating if you want, but Marvel personalized death. Her name is Mistress Death, or also Lady Chaos. And she was the personification of just death in the Marvel universe. However, she was in a relationship with Deadpool and married Deadpool. And she brought Thanos back to life to restore balance in the world. And so much so, Thanos actually had a thing for her and tried to make sure that she could never be with Deadpool. Mm-hmm. So we still had like a, an interesting uh, relational <laughs> <laughs> dynamic, even though... the triangle. <laughs> yeah, it was 
It's a very odd triangle, but she was originally represented of just being a personification of death in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Uh, she doesn't even speak very much. She usually deploys like servants to speak for her, but she has the ability to release souls from their bodies and send them to their final destination, but she can also bring them back. She still has like this representation of change and cycle and ending of cycles and wanting to have balance. She's not just a death figure, even though that's how she was written. And yeah, their relationships are, are really weird. So <laughs> her relationship with Thanos is very interesting if anybody's ever interested. <laughs> Cool. So, Michael, would you like to choose the next card for us? Ooh. Okay. I've picked up the moon. The moon card. Yes. So this is an uh, optional edition card. Yes. And the moon, it, upright, represents the unconscious, illusions, intuition, danger, enemies, fear, a difficult period, insecurity, mental confusion, deception, and hidden things. Reversed. Confusion, fear, misinterpretation, doubt, failure, unhappiness. Release of fear, insomnia, unusual dreams, and mysteries unveiled. It is the illusion and deception card. So who do I pick for the moon? Yeah. Mm, who would so you pick for the moon? Off the top of my head, that's probably going to be the Riddler. The Riddler, for sure. Because the Riddler perceives people who are not as intelligent as he is to be inferior to him and also kind of a blight on society. But in a way, that's kind of driven in a sense, by fear and wanting people to improve and be better. Um, he is probably pretty insecure in himself because he feels the need to totally reinforce all the time how smart he is and how great he is and all this other stuff, um, but also is a man of illusion. He's constantly trying to like distance himself from his identity and people can never find out who he is. People will never solve his riddles and all this other stuff. Um, constantly deceiving everybody. That's why he always gets out of jail. Mm -hmm. So in Arkham Asylum. So that's a, that's a pretty pretty clear one. All right. Chris, do you have one for the moon on the Marvel side? Oh, yes. Illusion, deception, hidden things. That's Loki. <laughs> God of mischief. Absolutely. Ooh. That just seemed to have him all over it. Definitely kind of that, uh, that enemy on the other side kind of thing, where if you look at the reversed, the misinterpretation, yeah, he's definitely got his own direction, and there's a lot of subterfuge in between here and there. So I think that's pretty well represented by Loki there. I chose Catwoman for the moon because, I mean, I think in my mind she just remains really elusive. One, regarding her intentions and being what I think is like an anti-hero. I mean, I think that she just consistently remains in a shroud of mystery. And I think that's mainly why I chose her. And then also she's kind of, yeah, definitely like self-serving and will use any kind of like deceptive type techniques or means to achieve her end goal. I think that one was way more relatable and on point than the one that I chose because I tried to make this so complicated on myself. <laughs> and I went with Moon Knight, which I believe his real name is Mark Spector, but I chose him because he got his powers from an Egyptian moon god. And, but not only that, is that they talk about how his powers change with the phases of the moon and how he changes with the phases of the moon. So the fuller the moon, the more power that he has. But he wasn't really... I chose him because his own life and his story has been continuously resurrected and changed. He initially was not a good character. He was meant to be like a one-shot villain 
and became later on a hero with his own series. Um, and he was even part of, I think, the Avengers, not part of the team, but he was called the Silver Avenger huh. for a long time. So I kind of focused on like that transformation side of the moon and how this person started off as like not really known to be a great guy. <laughs> and his story ended up transitioning and moving. And even if you research him or look him up, they'll say like, Moon Knight and the phases of the moon. So the fact that he just can change through those phases, I thought was really fascinating for this card. So it can have more than just the one meaning with the moon card. Hmm. Nice. Double entendre. <laughs> Triple, right? quadruple entendre. Right? I like really focused on it. I was like, oh yeah, he got his powers from the Egyptian moon god. Like, come on. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so that's kind of where I went with it. I, I strayed away from the like the mischief part for some reason, but he he still wasn't wasn't a great great person to begin with. So it was a very interesting dynamic. Both of them kind of seemed to cross over. Sometimes good mm-hmm. guys, sometimes bad guys. Mm-hmm. Depends, <laughs> Depends on the on day. The the moon. <laughs> <laughs> right, and yet his outfit is like completely white or silver or gray, mm-hmm. and it's so different than someone like Batman who's at night and he wears black. I feel like they all have definitely like similar characteristics. Alrighty, so the next card that we have is the world card. Cool. So the upright meaning of the world is fulfillment, harmony, completion, fresh new start, successful conclusions, possibilities, and achievement. The reversed is incompletion, no closure, lack of direction, delayed success, lack of completion, stagnation, and failed plans. Uh, The meaning is the... A representing of an ending to a cycle of life, a pause in life before a next big cycle beginning, uh, and is an indicator of major and exonerable change and tectonic breath. So the element is Earth and the ruling planet is Saturn. So for the world, I was very torn between Silver Surfer or Clara Prest. I believe is how you say her name, for a really long time. And I decided to go with Clara from Runaways. She is, in essence, has a lot of similar traits like Poison Ivy does in terms of she has her powers that allow her to control and manipulate growth and movements of plants mm-hmm. at will. They call it chlorokinetic. I didn't know that that's what that power was called, but chlorokinetic. But the way that she describes her power is just that she's talking to plants. It was a very natural part of her, and it was a natural part of her world before she even knew that that was a power. She didn't realize that she had abilities to make these plants grow because she grew up on a family farm. So she just thought she had like a natural green Mm. thumb sort of situation. But yeah, she can manipulate any kind of plant and has affinity for roses since they talk back to her. So she can not only formulate these plants but she can react to plants she can hear them talking and they react to her emotional state so she can use them to i think they said they she caused a large violent vines to burst out of the ground and they were able to shield her so her connection to the earth and the way her emotions work just seemed really fitting for the world okay so i picked the flash for the world tarot card Mostly because I feel like the Flash kind of represents that concept of fresh new start and successful conclusion, harmony, all of those things. So I picked the Flash as a whole to represent the 
world tarot card because they represent definitely that cycle of fulfillment or even just the concept of how each individual becomes the flash and has an end for the next journey to begin with each fulfilling their individual potential. So definitely representative of the cycle of new starts and endings, successful conclusions, and so on. That is it for that. So Chris, your Marvel pick for the uh, World Tarot card. The World is another one of those that was hard in that sense of harmony doesn't show up very often in comics. It's usually about the adversarial relationship a lot more. The only image that came to me was Silver Surfer, like you mentioned, but I don't have a lot of background with it. Couldn't explain very much why. He does have kind of that kind of a sense of zen to him in a way mm -hmm. and yet still working under other bad guys it's I ironic think, yeah his like, story was like was it galactus that sent silver surfer out to go find worlds for him to eat yeah because mm -hmm. silver surfer's world was destroyed or something like that yeah. and he comes to earth and suddenly he decides to save earth and and not let galactus eat it mm -hmm. so i think silver surfer just has always had an interesting connection to worlds mm -hmm. in general whether it's negative or or positive where he doesn't feel anything or he does feel something mm -hmm. for a whole world and it's like what is that connection and how do you navigate with that mm -hmm. and the fact that he has to balance on a surfboard that's a part of his body Mm -hmm. to navigate through these worlds is something that I think is pretty interesting, but that's about as much as I know about him as well. Yeah, it's well put. I, it's also just funny, like, the world symbol is not from this world. Beyond <laughs> 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 it, above it. Yeah. You know? I, guess, uh, I guess I'm going. The DC pick for the Earth, I think, is going to be Ozymandias from Watchmen. And the reason I pick Ozymandias, for a couple reasons. One, he's just like he's displayed a mastery of industry, his powers, his social position. Um, so there's a sense of completeness in that. He's he's running a conglomerate, and he's also the most recognized hero. He's also the only hero who has a publicly revealed identity that people can accept. So you can argue that he's the only person who has a plan that was actually able to be carried out. Also, if you've um, read Watchmen, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> At the end, he, he, as the villain, is actually, he's already succeeded. And the monologue that's driven by, you know, all the heroes and everything else is completely irrelevant because he's already completed his plan. Thereby affecting the world and changing the world, which is the whole plot of the story that we're not even aware of until the end. So really, one of the few successful villains depicted in DC ever. And really, I think, pretty clearly the world. Okay, so the next tarot card is the Wheel of Fortune. Which characteristics are change, uh, cycles, inevitable fate, success, luck, abundance, opportunity, luck, destiny, winning, chance, and then reverse, no control, cling to control, bad luck, mishap, unforeseen setback, bad luck, misfortune, and disappointment. So for the Wheel of Fortune tarot, I picked Two-Face. Mostly, I think just because he comes from an adverse childhood and experienced a lot of abuse. I don't know why, why that's relevant to anything, so just kidding. <laughs> but um, I think mainly the reason that I chose him for this was just because of the fact that he relies on chance as far as like his decision making um, and definitely could be said to have like no control. As far as the reverse side of the Wheel of Fortune for Two-Face that stood out to me was 
like misfortune, disappointment, unforeseen setback, which is all like very um, indicative of what his character's been through. That's all I have for that one. <laughs> the uh, image that came to mind for me with this one was Gambit. That's a good one. There goes my forebrain. Um, <laughs> he seems to be on kind of both sides of that luck spectrum, even though his powers don't actually have anything to do with luck. It's just uh, kinetic energy, but yet gambling and cards figure into his presentation. So, yeah, if that's really that whole thing with him throwing cards, that image you often see with him surrounded by the cards that are energized, that's what came to me as Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Thanks. I picked Gambit for a very different card, so it'll be very interesting to see <laughs> how the two relate. All right, Michael, so what's your DC pick? Uh, this is this one's straightforward. I think it's Superman. I mean, come on. You, the guy ex escapes from Krypton. The whole planet explodes. Not only does the guy survive, only one. Let, let, let's put it like that. The only one. He also gets superpowers in the process, then lands on a planet where everybody looks like him so he can blend in. Then becomes this kind of like demigod character to be like the savior of the earth that also happens to be super important for the whole universe. I don't know. I mean, like. He's very fortunate. It's, it's like, who else are you going to give that for DC? <laughs> Fortunes spawned from misfortune of destroying your home world. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, you got to trade, but. Like... <laughs> interesting way of putting it though all these things just kind of fell into place into your new world of the kind of person that you are and how you blend in we know like in the dc universe there's so many planets where people don't look like human beings and yet he came from one where they do and landed on one where they do completely across like a completely different part of the universe so i mean you know that alone like it, it, what are you gonna pick like a star and then shoot you know your kid? i mean like <laughs> let's see with this one i hope they got the right numbers of fingers and toes yeah okay so my pick i originally was thinking about karma from x-men because i think karma is a different take on luck in terms of when people say you know karma will come back around and that's kind of the same thing about luck and misfortune is that it can always come around and what i thought was interesting about karma was that she typically remains really calm and doesn't let her emotions get the better of her but she also is able to mentally possess other beings including like mechanics so that's what i originally thought of but when you reread the card i was like i'm i'm so dumb because domino is the obvious answer oh. <laughs> all right you're right <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, how did I miss this? But Domino, that is her power. That's everything about her power. But it doesn't always work for her is the thing, is that even though she has this power of luck that tends to work for her, she can't rely on it. And I think that's what's the biggest thing about this type of card, the Wheel of Fortune, is that it's not something that you can always rely on to give you what you want, necessarily. There's a whole new change about it, and it can go one way or the other or every which way, and it really depends on the situation, and that's totally Domino's powers. It's She doesn't know what's going to happen. It just happens, and it doesn't always work for her in the best situations or in the worst situations. She's not going to go try and win the lotto, and they often don't work for her in bad situations. There's a lot of people that are still impacted around her that she can't do anything about. One thing that I'm thinking in particular is one of her 
Lovers gets kidnapped and she still can't save him even with her luck powers. So she really fits that Wheel of Fortune card, I think, a lot stronger for me than Karma. That's why I considered long shot for this, but mm, I turned shot. it down because of that. Because his doesn't have that sense of balance mm-hmm. to it. But Domino is is a perfect fit. I'll agree. I'm going to nod my head and pretend I know enough about Marvel to comment on <laughs> and her long and extensive history. <laughs> Smile you, and nod. Did yeah. you Smile at least watch Deadpool 2? <laughs> I have watched Deadpool 2. Yeah. Domino. Was she, was she the one that was... She was the fro. The fro? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep, yeah, that's like, Domino. Like, that's why he's like, look, it's not a superpower that's good for cinematography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a good one. Well, and they made it work out for her quite a bit in that, but in the comics, it, it, it doesn't always work for her in the way that she needs it to. So. Yeah, I remember she had like a comical like luck. Like mm-hmm. everything just went right all the time. Mm-hmm. I really wish they'd actually depicted her as having some bad luck too. You know, like something just horrible and chaotic happening out of nowhere. Like, you know, yeah. Right? Or having it be more delayed because that's also part of her powers. For an instance, she, she's a mercenary. So she's jumping out of a helicopter and like all of her bullets go flying. And she was like, great. Right? Like she had bad luck. But in the end, when it really counts, a bullet ends up rolling down through a vent and she gets it and it's the last bullet that she needs. Yeah. But it was so delayed. That was the beginning versus the end of the comic. Mm. And in Deadpool 2, it's like automatic. Every mm. time she has luck, it mm. feels automatic. Mm. Like a gun jamming or falling into a big stuffed teddy bear. Mm. <laughs> All right. I think I'm up to see what we've got. Ooh, the high priestess. Okay. So this person is intuitive, unconscious, has an inner voice, wisdom, mystery, spiritual insight, hidden talents, intuition, things yet to be revealed. On the reverse, a lack of center, a lost inner voice, repressed, passion, conceit, secrets, information withheld, and a lack of personal harmony. Hmm. So who is your DC high priestess? High priestess. Hmm. I'm tempted. So I, I think I think at this point, you know, I was I was really tempted to, to give this to the devil, but I think it actually fits the high priestess better. I would say Catwoman and I would say Catwoman specifically because she's never actually um, you, you never really know everything that Catwoman can do at any given point. She's always revealing some kind of new power, some new abilities, some new training that she has, some new language that she can speak, these kinds of things. But also you never really know what her intent is, even if she says something out loud to Batman or to someone else in the D.C canon um you kind of have to question it at any given Hmm. point you know that she can really do a lot she is wise she does have a lot of experience she doesn't necessarily have like ill intent but you never really know what side of the coin she's going to be on at any given time but also obviously she's a cat burglar she has to have some kind of intuition that's kind of if she has a superpower the only superpower she really has Hmm. and yeah so i would say that that's really what guides her character i'd say that's a fairly unique choice it's not something that is a big go-to when i thought of high priestess for dc i definitely thought of raven Mm. because of that you know otherworldly connection Mm. that there is literally one of the few cards that i actually took the direct (laughs) definition from so Mm. that's a unique perspective of catwoman like that i haven't heard before so like (laughs) i chose raven what what now 
Raven. Yeah, I, I kind of I view spirituality very loosely with the tarot and like symbolically like a like a spirit or a sense of connection to the self or a self in the world. Um, I think if you're going to look at it from like a you know like a religious perspective, then like Raven makes way more sense. Um, but I don't know. I mean, spirituality isn't always just like you know your dad's mm-hmm. a demon. Cut and dry. <laughs> well, no, I didn't. I definitely didn't think that. But just connection to other planes kind of like how we naturally have a spiritual connection to anything greater than us whether that's art or nature or music so that's kind of what i took from it is that she's part of here but she just has a greater connection to something else whether that's good or bad or she wants it or she doesn't she just has a natural connection to something bigger i think it there's like a lot more to it than that it's it's kind of like a whole struggle with parts of self and she's constantly trying to integrate and also accept maybe parts of herself that are difficult to accept. She kind of like struggles definitely at the beginning with different parts of herself specifically around like the demonic part of herself which is from she inherited from her father and then but at the same time that part of self like holds most of the power and she's taught to kind of like control her emotions in order to keep that demonic part of self subdued which can be represented by that hidden talent part of the card which is upright the high priestess and also things yet to be revealed so those aspects of the tarot i think also too just she also represents the aspects of the card with like intuition with her ability to utilize inner reflection to keep her powers in check and is also used to maintain self-control until she turns evil. I will say too though one part I didn't talk about with the raven the high priestess too on the reverse side is that kind of like lack of personal harmony which is also again that uh, represented by that polarization of kind of like trying to control her emotions and I think this can also be represented with repression, secrets, and lack of center, and loss of an inner voice, and denying that part of self until later on. But that she definitely comes into that later on in her character development. So, booyah. Chris and I actually agreed on the Marvel version for this one, so we could probably just both share them. Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff. Yeah, I was going to say Scarlet Witch too, actually. (laughs) He's fast and she's weird. That's really what came to mind. (laughs) It's always different, too, because that story has changed, where she was born with them, she was a mutant, and then in the Avengers they said that she was genetically mutated or experimented on to get these powers. But they, I mean, they talk about her powers are the powers of chaos. Mm-hmm. How is that not high priestess enough? Like, yeah. they're very, very dangerous. And she has to, and in her latest comic, uh, they connect her to her witch ancestry and her mother and how that power has been, has an ancestral line in it. So that's kind of what drew me to her for this card is that it's called chaos and yet she somehow is able to use it for other purposes. I, I would be tempted to to use Jean Grey as a foil, but I don't mm-hmm. really see, I don't know, like the Phoenix is sort of not in the same like lineage. Yeah, I think if you were to talk about like the Phoenix with Jean Grey, she's just so much more destructive, but the Phoenix by itself was not meant to be mm-hmm. destructive like that. Yeah, I'll be so. bringing up the Phoenix later. Oh, we're gonna... <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and the Phoenix is interesting because Jean Grey is not the only one mm-hmm. who's the Phoenix. Mm. Her daughter Hope also got it. Okay, so the next tarot card is Temperance. 
temperance. So the temperance upright meaning is the middle path, patience, finding meaning, balance, connecting with your guides, moderation, harmony, alchemy, and looking for divine intervention. Mm. The reverse is uh, extremes, excess, lack of balance, competing interests, onset of illness, lack of patience and balance and disharmony. So this card indicates that you should learn to bring about balance, patience, and moderation in your life. Take the middle road, avoid extremes, and maintain a sense of calm. Element is fire, and ruling planet is Jupiter. Oh, so temperance. I chose dust from the from the X Men universe. <laughs> I've got a DC one for the I've got a Batman guy for this one. So. Okay, like. you know, it's just. So I chose dust for temperance and I apologize. I do not know how to pronounce her real name at all. It's like Soraya Kadir, but I chose her because she has a lot of balance of power because she's dust. Like there's the durability, there's energy, there's the fighting skills, speed and strength and her history. Like I think her story has a lot of trying to find balance and having um, harmony or following a middle path you know she was originally sold into slavery at a young age and how she comes out as one of the x-men when she comes a part of the x-men so there's a lot of her being out of place because of her strong moral code and her culture so i think she's a, a representation of how do you even balance new cultures when you're coming in and what you learn and and dust just seemed like a huge piece of that i think it's but when we can see it as a shedding of something and a renewal of something, I think there's balance in that. I'm going to shake this one up a bit. I'm going to shake this one up because I, I think that this is a very, uh, I, I think it's hard to just see a card, right? Just like the direct meaning. My pick for this is Two-Face. And mm. my reason for picking Two-Face <laughs> is because not only has he at one point represented the regular side of the card, but also represented the opposite of the card. Because mm -hmm. you could argue that Two-Face as a character is constantly trying to find balance in his life. He does it through chaotic means. But he, he believes that it's in the service of some higher idealist, I guess, mission or, or way of, of, of working through things. So um, you could say that this is in, in a sense a middle path because it's kind of mm. objective. He is trying to find meaning and balance. As a lawyer, as Harvey Dent, he's also constantly trying to do that. Um, he was very upright. He did kind of live in the gray. You could see his coin as divine intervention. So, oh yeah, Two-Face all the way, man. <laughs> I chose Two-Face, but for a very different reason and for a different card. I don't know about the Temperance card. I mean, I think that's cool. <laughs> I just, I don't see it. I'm going to stick with my pick here. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to put my foot down. Yep, uh, but respectfully so. Respectfully so. Well, and I think it's it's interesting because everybody's kind of like has their own reasons for picking different characters for different cards. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's natural for people to be drawn to like one specific thing about a character. Like mm -hmm. for me with Two-Face, it's very like, you know, I the things that stuck out for me were definitely like winning, chance, destiny. Right. Why we have such different imagery that's mm -hmm. coming up for each of us. So. Right? Yeah. yeah. How each character means something different to us just based on one card. Yeah, that's the fun oh. part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I picked somebody who uh, ended up being, well, two-faced in a way. 
And this is one that the image of the card came mm-hmm. through to me very, very strongly. The way I went about all of these was I did a active imagination exercise and just kind of saw what came up. And this is one where the image was like very powerful. Uh, I had Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Oh. Bruce Banner standing in a destroyed city, staring into a pool, which um, water is typically represented on the card anyway. Mm. And then the Hulk is looking back up from a city that's not destroyed. So that element of balance, I think that covers the the excess and the extremes, especially. Mm-hmm. And kind of the one side trying to find meaning. The other side is just all about smash. So Nice. Yeah, I can definitely see Bruce Banner for temperance, like, to the T almost. I feel like he fits that card very well. <clears throat> I mean, the reverse and the face value of the card, because Bruce is constantly struggling between, you know, that lack of balance and extremes. It's like a perfect choice. Okay, so for the temperance, which I feel a little, like, unsure about this one, to be honest, I don't know why the temperance card was, like, really difficult for me to choose somebody for, but I did choose Wonder Woman. I was going to put her in as strength, but I didn't want to do that for some reason. So I did pick Temperance, and the reason that I did that was just because of, like, finding meaning and connection with guides. I was thinking of her as far as, like, where she comes from, her ancestors, and looking to, like, pagan Greek gods for guidance to strength. And just like her overall mission, but that's all I have for her. Wonder Woman has always been a difficult character for people to identify what is it that she brings to a team, mm-hmm. which I found intriguing to learn that people really struggle with that. But everybody who does will talk about her compassion. Yeah, yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with harmony. Yeah, that's, I think, like, when I was thinking of her, I wasn't necessarily thinking of her in, like, her brute strength or in that way, but just, like, her overall patience and harmony um, and definitely, like, that empathy that she brings Mm -hmm. into the Justice League. Um, Yeah, she, I think she's actually... I don't know if empathic is part of her powers, but they did talk about how she's multilingual. She knows yeah. a lot of languages. She's very uh, culture aware, and she even can connect with animals and yeah. speak with animals. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely feel like she fits that card. I think, like, both Temperance is a card that I really like. Wonder Woman is a really cool, like, decent <laughs> character I really like. But it's hard to, like, pinpoint either of those things for me. But I think it works. All right. So we got another card. All right. The Emperor. Um, mm. Upright. It represents authority, structure, control, fatherhood, power, protection, and accomplishment. Law and order, leadership, uh, father figures, promotion, and reversed it reflects tyranny, rigidity, coldness, domination, and a loss of authority, immaturity, being a control freak, lacking discipline, and being manipulative. Cards suggestive of stability and security in life. You are on top of things and everything under your control. It is your hard work, discipline, and self-control that have brought you this far. It means that you're in charge of your life, now setting up your own rules and boundaries. And for the Emperor, again leaning towards one of the other cards I selected, Authority, structure, control, fatherhood, 
Odin, the Allfather, definitely is a strong image there that goes beyond just the uh, the Marvel universe mm -hmm. into mythology. So mm -hmm. I think he is the Allfather. <laughs> Very nice. I agree. All right. Uh, so I picked the Martian Manhunter, and I think more... I'm, I'm going more off of his animated series persona, but you could argue that he's like this in the comics as well. He's got this kind of detached thing where he always knows better than everybody else, and he's very helpful. He's kind of like jack-of-all-trades telepath, um, super intelligent, all these things. But that also makes him very distanced from people. And if you look at the Emperor card, he's very... Like, he's on a throne. He's mastered a lot of things. But it also brings great distance to him and others. And that also causes a lot of issues in the DC storyline. Many different arcs. He either doesn't work well with other superheroes. Sees himself as not necessarily as superior, but, like, lost in translation in a lot of ways. Always feeling like the odd man out. Literally the Martian in the room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite literally alien. Yeah. He could probably... Um, beat up any of the other justice league heroes if he really wanted to but he chooses not to for his own reasons but that doesn't necessarily bode well anyway he doesn't always apply his powers hmm. appropriately so yeah. i never thought of it that way that's interesting all right for my pick i did wakanda forever <laughs> wakanda wakanda, wakanda. <laughs> So I did Black Panther. I chose to be more specific and just focus on T'Challa because that's the one that we know the most. But we know that Black Panther is the emperor of Wakanda. And there's always a sense of fatherhood aspect to this emperor that's different than some of the other emperors that we see. Again, like a connection to ancestry. And in the movie Black Panther, that was one of the things that struck me the most was him going back and telling to his father, like, you're wrong. This is how we should do it. And... So that building of wisdom of how to take care of your people and how they see that community as a family. So the, that's what really drew me for the emperor. I was like, it's got to be the Black Panther. Nice. Well, kind of forever. I picked Dr. Manhattan for the emperor because his character has the potential to demonstrate the characteristics of the tarot, such as authority, structure, control, protection, law and order, leadership, and even fatherhood, given that Jonathan Osterman is a nuclear physicist and has his PhD in atomic physics, and not to mention that the character of Dr. Manhattan was developed in the likeliness of Robert Oppenheimer, who is revered as the father of the atomic bomb itself. So when I say that Dr. Manhattan has the potential to demonstrate the face value characteristics of the Emperor, I say this because given the amount of power that he could embody, he's controlled by the U.S. military, and most of his efforts to support humanity are thwarted. So he is in this constant state of contradiction and struggles with even the mere concept of human nature in itself. So most of the time he represents more of the reverse meaning of the tarot. So we see Dr. Manhattan falter between a desire to help humanity and also disregard humanity as insignificant. And then also the obvious fact that the Emperor Tarot card is also associated with the symbol of Mars, which is the place of solitude for Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, I don't know too much about Dr. Manhattan, but I think in the movie, didn't they have like a lot of fear around him? Like if he's mm -hmm. truly making the best judgments for people or if he was evil, like there was a questioning of what kind of person he was supposed to be. Right. If he was a good guy or a bad yeah, guy. Questioning his humanity at that yeah. point. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. That's why I picked that. I could talk a lot more 
about why. I think I'll stop right there because all these I characters like... are so interesting. <laughs> we could just get easily carried away with them. Yeah. Let ourselves. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so I've, I've just picked The Hermit, mm. which is contemplation, the search for truth, inner guidance, prudence, introspection, soul-searching, solitude, withdrawn from society, meditation, and self-reflection. The reverse is loneliness, isolation, loss, treason, corruption, a misfit, withdrawing from loved ones, exile, sadness, and loneliness. Mm. So this, this one is kind of a challenge. You know, I'm I'm actually I'm gonna go against I'm gonna go against type here, and I'm going to say that the penguin the penguin is an excellent misfit character, and the reason for that is that not only has he lost all of his wealth in a lot of his incarnations, and he he's completely unrelatable and he can't relate to anybody else, but he's deeply depressed because of it. Almost all of his motivation is because mm. of his depression, his sense of like you know entitlement. But he has had a lot of time to be introspective. He's had a lot of time to contemplate this stuff and like recreate himself as this, you know, villainous character as opposed to just, you know, like a monopoly man with a cane. So I think hmm. that there's a, there's part of that. He is definitely corrupt. He's definitely treasonous. Um, he definitely doesn't see himself amongst other people and he doesn't really have any friends. Um, he's one of the few villains who is very, very rarely actually connected with other villains as an ally. Um, it's usually a tentative thing, so yeah, uh, I'll give him that. Huh. That's a lot of that's a lot of Batman picks you got there, Michael. You want to ease up a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's boss. <laughs> Anyways, Chris, any thoughts on the Hermit for Marvel? That's another one that those that search for truth, inner guidance. A lot of this is very indicative of the genre in general. But now that I'm looking at it again, I think the one that applies for me is the image that comes to mind is Xavier in Cerebro by himself isolated in that room and well searching for truth you know searching for uh, searching for an end to that solitude in a way yeah all about the the misfits and the mutants (laughs) so I, I chose Rorschach from the Watchmen series for several reasons including his kind of like propensity towards solitude contemplation and bring and with that being said like being withdrawn from society he's kind of like in the series the antithesis of a morality spends his entire life kind of fighting for justice at any cost but what this does in turn is separate him from society because of the consistent like amoral actions of human beings within the Watchmen series so this definitely creates feelings of loneliness and isolation i really i I didn't really think of that but i I see where you're going with it and i like it yeah i i really struggled with this one because if i were to go to x-men like i definitely would think of the morlocks just that community of people because they are in a way trying to find their own truth or their own home and their own sense of belonging but uh, for some reason rocket comes to mind as the hermit for me from guardians of the galaxy because he shows loneliness in a very different way where he expects everyone to leave so he's not very nice to people all the time he uses humor to kind of disengage from emotions but you see him often self-reflecting you see him often doing his own soul searching in his own kind of way Mm. and i think he has Groot for a reason like that Groot is his 
counterpart that gives him helps him with that introspection but he can easily you know be a person that commits treason corruption you know he's definitely a misfit and is withdrawn from society people don't know what he is you know, they call him raccoon and dog and rodent, rodent <laughs> yeah. uh, trash panda. So, <laughs> um, you know, so and, and Yondu, when he's like reflecting it, I'm like, I know you. You were me. So I think that's I think Rocket is is the hermit for me. Unexpected, but I can see it. Self-imposed exile. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Chris, you're you're up, right? Because I picked I the sun. I am up. I will try. Okay, Justice. yeah. Justice. Upright. Reflects cause and effect. Clarity. Truth. Fairness. Uh, justice. Imagine that. Balance <laughs> and equilibrium. Responsibility. Reversed. It represents dishonesty, unaccountability, unfairness, lack of accountability, uh, unfair treatment, dishonesty, legal flaws, and imbalance. Mm. The justice card indicates that the fairest decision will be made. Justice is the sword that cuts through a situation and will not be swayed by outer beauty when deciding on what is fair and just. Justice in Marvel. I think we also picked the same one. I, I think you almost <laughs> have to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Captain America. He's he's our version of truth, justice in the American way. Sorry, mm-hmm. we don't have Superman. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if we think about the reverse, so I guess I should say, this might be a spoiler in case people haven't seen of when he did the Hail Hydra mm, edition yeah. in his comics. So that's like the reverse, right? Mm-hmm. We see Captain America being this ideal figure, the one who's really the head of mm-hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. in a lot of ways. He like mm-hmm. is their moral compass all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we see that flip side of when everybody panicked over a possible betrayal. And I think that's the reverse side of Captain America is... Mm-hmm him going to Hydra or being undercover with Hydra or however you want to phrase it. Um, But that's how I saw him is that we always see him as the idealized part of justice. And then we recently got that comic where he was a part of Hydra and we were like, (gasps) so he still continues to meet this card description to a T. Also, I want to include that when talking about Captain America being the justice card, I am also referring to Sam Wilson as Captain America, not just Steve Rogers, because I think those two go hand in hand. When you're taking up the Captain America mantle, you stand for these justice aspects. So it's not just the person that's picking this up. It's the icon, the symbol standard. Captain America is one that is almost verbatim a foundation of that archetype. And so, yeah, Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers all the way. This is why Tony Stark is the devil. I'm just saying. Like, this is further proof. This is further proof. As a yeah. He has to be the devil. Well, I mean, if we talk about Civil War, that was Tony Stark's ideas against Captain America. And the movie didn't do it right, but... It was about registering mutants because Tony was doing it out of fear and Captain America was doing it based on what is right and what is wrong. Mm. It was based on morals, not an emotional drive. Mm. He's like, no, because this could be dangerous. This could be blah, blah, blah. So you could look at the, they have a shadow side of each other. I think they're shadows of each other for sure. All right. So DC, who is your justice? Who I think you already justice? said Superman. No, it's not Superman. <laughs> so, it's not Superman. Who is your You're going to like this one. 
actually. I think it's Nightwing. Nightwing! And the reason I think it's Nightwing is because Nightwing became Nightwing because he felt that Batman was not doing enough to actually uphold justice in a reasonable way. And and Nightwing's brand of justice is very different. You know, he kind of follows his own his own path and things, but he also does have a strict moral code. He was Robin. I mean, like the guy, he's not a villain here, mm-hmm. but he also is sometimes an anti-hero kind of character. He doesn't always follow the law to a T. Not like Batman really does ever, but you know, not the point. Um, <laughs> Vigilantes. <laughs> yeah, you know, but if we're, we're going to look at someone who who is willing to both sacrifice everything in life and also like follow an ideal i think he actually does that more so than batman does and more consistently so um i think he he's a pretty good indicator fair point like he was he was the only one that was able to even take over batman's place when batman disappeared yeah definitely i can see that as well i chose the green arrow for the justice card just because of the face value characteristics um and also the reversed as well. I don't really know what else to say about that. I just he fights for justice, well, and he. I only know the gets in CW trouble. series. <laughs> so in the CW series, he's more of an antihero yeah. in the beginning yeah. because he's just being. He's actually being very very selfish in the sense he's like, yeah. I have to right my father's wrongs, and he just goes out and starts killing people. Right, and it has nothing to do with anything greater than that. With legal as, flaws. Yeah, see? it was just his own greediness on... It wasn't even about justice. When he would say, you have failed this city, there was like an insinuation it was about justice, but really right. it was his own selfish whims that he needed to do. Right. But later on in the show, we see him adapt to the true meaning of justice for himself and he becomes more of a vigilante but he starts working with the police and the government and becomes the mayor mm-hmm. and tries not to kill people he adopts a new moral code so in that kind of sense we see a person who is coming into their own sense of justice with him mm. so i could i could kind of see that yeah it's a different pick for justice for sure usually i think vigilantes that's kind of where they stem from but they don't right. do it in the exact way that a like captain america would do right or who is wonder woman would do right all right that's the end of that chapter <laughs> okay of course now that we've done this and we've talked about it out loud i can think of a slew of characters that would fit a lot of these tarot cards from both marvel and dc And that's kind of the point of tarot is there's so many superheroes and characters and stories out there that there are many, many, many of them that stem from these core archetypes that could really fit. I mean, Luke Cage for strength, even on the reverse side, we saw that journey in the Netflix series of Luke Cage. Daredevil and Jessica Jones would be an interesting comparison for the temperance card. And all three of those characters were from the Defenders. And those definitely came to mind when I was looking through the cards again and talking to you all about them. I mean, even the Sentry would have been an interesting choice for maybe the Devil card, because that's something that he's always battling against. So there's always other characters that could definitely fit 
any of these tarot that we're talking about. And that's kind of the whole point is character development. Archetypes are important for the foundation of that. And then where we go from there is what makes it so interesting and fascinating and compelling us to stick with the story and stick with the character for as long as we do. With that said, I look forward to part two, where we continue the rest of the tarot card features. Is there anything anybody wants to say? Thank you so much for taking the time to come in and record and have this nerdy, nerdy conversation. <laughs> no problem. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, stay tuned for part two of Marvel vs. DC Tarot with me, Janice, Chris, and Michael. Don't forget to look in the description section of this podcast for references and a description of the podcast. This is your Psych Hero signing off.